Grace to you and peace from God our Father and his gift of love, Jesus the Christ. Amen. In the comic strip, Hagar the Horrible, Hagar was dressed up in all of his Viking armor as he prepared to go out and meet his enemy. All his weapons, shields, and armor are supposed to make him look mean. How do I look? He asked Helga, his wife. Horrible, she says. Good. A first impression is so important. In a book on Christian hope, Dr. Harold Warlick wrote of one of his experiences as a teenager. During those years, he had a female pen pal in Germany. The two exchanged a blizzard of correspondence over three years, sharing all sorts of information and ideas. But then the inevitable happened. They both decided they would like to see what the other looked like. So they exchanged pictures. Both of them were so surprised and apparently either disillusioned or intimidated, that neither ever wrote another letter to the other one. Impressions or expectations are not always as we first think, nor as we preconceive them. Certainly if Harold Warlick had bothered to write to that girl, a girl who obviously had had the charm and the personality to keep him interested for three years, she might have written back, hey, it is really me. There isn't anybody else here by that name. And so it is with God. We create expectations that fill our wants. We preconceive him to be what he isn't. We make God in our image. And when he reveals himself, the world goes into shock. In the book of Isaiah, God warns and promises through the prophet that I am God, there is no other. If we don't have in mind that the righteousness and justice and strength he promised would look like a newborn baby born in a cattle shed, or that he would look like a heaven-minded preacher from the farm town of Nazareth, or even apparently end up as a despised man dying on a cross. Well, that's our problem. There is no other. The world has never been quite ready for the God who reveals himself as the God of peace and hope and love and joy. We seem to always want to make sure everyone knows or thinks God is on our side. And then we can be confident in pursuing our games of war and hatred against those who are different from us. 
We've never been ready to accept God in our neighbor across the military lines of defense or in other parts of the city. We want to make him our own and use him as we see fit. What is our impression, our expectation of God, of the God who came as a tiny baby in the dusty little village of Bethlehem on a cold winter's night? What preconceived notions do we have of what this newborn king should be doing for us? Herod certainly had his expectations. He was a fearful king, fearful of anyone who might be seen as a threat to his kingship. He had been, become king by being an excellent soldier and winning the favor of the Romans. He had even gained some legitimate claim to the throne when he married Maryam, the last daughter of the Hasmonean household, the previous line of kings. Herod ruled for a long time as a king, 30-some years. But as he grew older, he became ever more ruthless. A couple of years before the birth of Jesus, history records that he had his two sons by his marriage to Maryam put to death so that they wouldn't be a threat to his power. His ruthlessness was even acknowledged by the Roman Emperor Augustus, who remarked that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. He was ready to do away with anyone who might seek to claim his throne. And so that is precisely what he thought and he feared as the Magi from the east came in search of the king of the Jews, whose birth had been noted in the heavens by the appearance of a shining star. We read today the last of the Christmas-related scenes when the wise men went to Herod seeking a newborn king, and Herod telling them to return when they found him, so that he too might go and worship him. We usually picture these wise men as characters looking on at the manger scene. But Matthew says these magi followed the star and came to Bethlehem and found Mary and Jesus in a house where they paid homage to him and then gave their gifts of precious metal and oils. The wise men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go home by a different route. And in the verses immediately following the ones we read, an angel in a dream tells Joseph to flee with Mary and the babe to Egypt until Herod was dead. This Epiphany Day story is the story of the revelation of God as not just the God of Israel, but the God of all people. 
Today we find ourselves at the end of this Christmas season. For much of our world, Christmas is done and over with. And with that, there have been many who've let out a sigh of relief that it's done. The day after Christmas, there it was. Lonely and abandoned by the side of the road, stripped of its lights and the bright ornaments, left out in the cold with just a little tinsel blowing in the breeze, being the only reminder of its former glorious appearance. There it was, shouting that Christmas was over in that house. The airwaves immediately ceased their spread of good cheer and then gave us a nostalgic listen to all of the hits that there ever were. The stores slashed the price of anything with a sign of Christmas or looked like Christmas so that it wouldn't have to be stored until it's time to drag it all out again on Labor Day. All that's left is for the last of the gift exchanges to be made and the remaining lights taken down off the house and untangled from the shrubs, which is my job this afternoon if it doesn't get too cold. Many who got all dressed up for Christmas Eve have put away their willingness to worship until Easter. And the world once more so quickly forgets the news of the glory the angels proclaimed and that God so loves us. He sent his son, born of Mary, to the world in which we live each day. Even that sense of goodwill has been lost as the world gets back to normal. But Christmas is not over. It should never be something we declare ourselves done with. December 25th comes but once a year, but God's gift of himself to us goes on and on and on. A quick glance at the manger is not enough. That first impression, a babe wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger, doesn't tell us much. Unless and until we go beyond that and discover the God who cares who protects, who loves, who forgives, who accepts us as we are, who renews and guides us every day, every year. We gather this morning in this first worship service of 2015. Think back to the beginning of 2014 recall the things that happened during this past year. Each of us have a different set of circumstances we faced. I do not know the journey many of you traveled in 2014. But I do know that some of you celebrated tremendous joys and some of you faced struggles that at times 
threaten to undo you. Some of you lost loved ones. And some of you experienced the usual ups and downs of day-to-day living, but for the most part have not had to struggle with the pain of illness or death or the loss of jobs or through broken relationships. But you know what? God has once again revealed himself as the God of every year, every situation, every blessing, and the God to comfort us and strengthen us and walk with us in the face of every challenge we face. There are those in our world who continue to try to silence the voice of God and the message of peace, even as King Herod plotted to do in an attempt to do away with the king who was to come. But our God is not about to be done in by mankind. With our aid or without it, God will accomplish his purposes for the world. No dictator or terrorist group from afar, nor even our self-indulgence here at home, can keep our God from accomplishing his loving purposes. He still reaches down to individuals like you, And like me, to give us comfort in our grief, hope in our despair, forgiveness in our sinning, love in our hearts, and that indescribable peace in our lives. He goes on giving and giving and giving as long as we are ready to receive him. To show it even more, the God of Christmas became the God of Good Friday, the God of Easter morning. The God who is with us does not stop being with us in the midst of tragedy or apparent defeats. Not even our worst enemy, death, can stop the relentless march of the God who is with us. First impressions, expectations, preconceived notions, they can be dangerous in life and in faith. If all we want to worship is the babe in a manger, if all we want is a God who thinks like us and has our political agenda as his own, we're in for a big disappointment. But brothers and sisters, the Christmas story is so much more, so much different. The God of life has been given to us 
has revealed himself to us so that we might share him with our world so that they too can see more than that ever so brief a glance on the 24th or 25th gave them. Emmanuel, God is with us, is the word for today and tomorrow and this whole year and next year and in whatever tomorrow or next year brings with it. Christmas is not over. Christ has come. Thanks be to God. Amen.